You're listening to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church Podcast. To learn more about Northwest, including our gathering time, visit us at nwcbc.org. Today's speaker will be Pastor Terry Wong. A few years ago, I was talking with a pastor who was leaving a church under duress, and I asked him, well, what are your plans? He goes, I don't know. I I can't go back to any of the other churches because I burned all my bridges. I'm like, well, why did you burn all your bridges? (laughs) I mean, what did you do? Did you, like, yell at them and criticize and complain about them as you walked out the door? Uh, You know, before I preached at Northwest, I preached about 50 times in other churches, uh, just practicing my skills. And I went to one church, and I I always ask because I'm curious, what happened to your previous pastor? They said, oh, well, he got up to preach just like I am now. At the beginning of the sermon, he told us what he thought of us. Then he walked out the door and left everybody sitting in the pews. And so that's how you burn your bridges. I am not going to do that. <laughs> I don't want to burn my bridges. I want to leave this church filled with joy and gratitude and love, not, not bitterness. I mean, I want to come back on potluck Sunday. So I am not going to burn my bridges. I want to build bridges and make them stronger. But as a pastor... If I was going to make one little criticism about this church, if I was going to be totally honest with all of you, it is this. If you look on the screen here, many of you do not say yes to God enough. Many of you do not say yes to God. When he calls on you, we're going to talk about how the Spirit of the Lord comes upon us to move us, and we don't say yes. Maybe you said yes when you believed in Jesus Maybe you said, yes, I want to be baptized, be a member of this church, but since then, not so much. When God says, who will I send? Who will go? You're thinking, well, not me. You say no, or you don't say anything, or you don't raise your hand during a business meeting to volunteer for a ministry, or you just run off and hide before anybody can ask you. That's a good one. Just hide. When Steve becomes, well, if you elect Pastor Steve as pastor, I'll show him all the hiding spots in the church to hide when, you know, this member comes that wants to complain, you go, there's a place to hide. And we just go hide in there. But, you know, you run and you hide. You're not willing to say yes. On the other hand, I have have seen many of you, some of you, say yes every time God asked you to serve. And I've seen you grow in the Lord. I've seen you lead ministries and bless ministries. And I've seen you bless people. And we're in the people blessing business. So, Today is our last uh, message out of Isaiah, and I want to go back and take a look at a passage that is found in the Old Testament and the New Testament. As we learned, Isaiah is really a bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So let's look at Isaiah 61.1. This passage was read by Jesus, as we talked about, in the synagogue, and I think it was in Capernaum. Uh, And here's Isaiah uh, uh, saying it, and then Jesus said it later. 700 years later, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim the freedom of the captives and release from darkness uh, for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. So Jesus, Isaiah is saying the spirit of the Lord is upon me. It's really talking about the Messiah. This is a messianic prophecy. Jesus read the same passage in the uh, in the uh, synagogue at Capernaum, and he said, when he read it, he said, today these words are fulfilled on me. Jesus is, complain- uh, is uh, saying that he is the Messiah. But what's interesting, when Jesus read this, 
he read verse 1 and 2a. He, you know, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news, send me to bind up broken heart and proclaim the freedom of the captives, release from darkness for the prisoners, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus said he read those, but he did not read the last part and the day of vengeance of our God. And like, well, why not? I mean, he read everything else. Well, the reason why is that uh, Jesus is talking about two advents, the two times he comes. The first time Jesus came, he came and he proclaimed the gospel. He healed broken hearts. He set the prisoners free. But he did not proclaim the day of vengeance. That is reserved for the second coming. When Jesus comes, the second coming, he will bring judgment and the Lord's vengeance on unbelievers. We have to understand, Jesus is a God of salvation, but he's also the judge. Okay, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so today, uh, if we go to our first thought here, let's talk about what does the Spirit of the Lord is on me mean? Now, I'm going to be very honest with you. I'm, I'm interpreting this from my own understanding. This doesn't come out of a commentary or anything else. I just, as I read it, God kept talking to me about different ideas of what does the Spirit of the Lord on me mean? I mean, we're filled with the Spirit. We're supposed to be controlled by the Spirit. The Spirit's supposed to be flowing through us. But what does it mean? And so this is kind of my understanding what God has taught me. First of all, this phrase is used throughout Scripture, especially in the book of Judges. Even though it applies, this is a messianic passage talking about Jesus, it applies to you and me because we're supposed to imitate Christ. We're supposed to do the very same things he has done. And so, <coughs> excuse me, the first thing we see is that you have been chosen for a specific task. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me. When we, say, when we see in Scripture the Spirit of the Lord, it came upon a specific person at a specific time to do a specific task. Okay, understand what I'm saying? A specific person came upon a specific person at a, to perform a specific task at a specific time. It's more than just saying, well, God wants me to share the gospel with the world, and he does, okay? But it's more than that. It's like God wants me to share with that person. Understand the difference? It's not a general uh, impression. It says God wants me to share with a specific person. So God's saying, I have anointed Jesus, the Messiah, to go. And the sign of anointing someone with his oil is a person being confirmed in their calling. Uh, when I became a pastor and you ordained me, we didn't use oil. We laid our hands on, on me. Uh, a sign that you agree that God has called me into ministry. Now, we must not mistake, we must not think that anointing with oil is just for pastors or missionaries. No, all who are God, who are called by God, are called. All are anointed with oil. So, uh, is it a conviction? Yeah, sometimes we feel convicted to do a certain thing. Is it a burning in your soul? Yeah, we are filled with compassion. Maybe a light, for me, it's usually the light comes on in my head. Oh, I know what I'm supposed to do. I'll go do it. Maybe someone will ask me to do something, and I'll say, oh, God must want me to go do that. So you have been chosen for a specific task, and I'll tell you right now, God chooses all of you to do specific things at a specific time to specific people. Okay, I'm just telling you, he does it. The question is, do we even hear him calling? The second thing is you reveal the Lord's power in tangible ways. Every time I see this phrase used, a person is acting in tangible ways. 
It is tangible. You can touch it. It is visible. You can see it is impactful. It's more than being convicted to pray more. It's more than being convicted to study my Bible more. Those are good things, but that's spiritual exercise for spiritual growth. What I'm talking about is the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you, and it is revealed in powerful and tangible ways. It is a demonstration of the Lord's power. Maybe as an act of love or act of kindness, you move and you act outside of your comfort zone. Look at Judges 3.9. Israelites were being punished by the, I think it was the Philistines or one of those ites, and they were crying out to the Lord. Verse 9, but when they cried out to the Lord, he raised up for them a deliverer, Othanel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, who saved them. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him so that he became Israel's judge and went to war. All right? God needed a deliverer. He chose Othanel to lead. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. He said yes, and he led them to victory. See, we need leaders, and we need leaders who will lead. But the problem I've discovered is a lot of people don't want to lead. They experience the Holy Spirit's calling and conviction, because I can tell, because they run up to me and tell me, Terry, you should go do this, or Pastor Terry, you should do that. We need a ministry to um, the Taiwanese company that's coming here. We need a ministry to the homeless or whatever. I know they're, God's calling them, but they're calling me to fulfill their calling. That's not how it works. We need to say yes. As God puts something on your heart, God is saying you Go. Now you come and talk and let's talk. We will help you. We'll work with you, but God is calling you. See, that Taiwanese company, uh, that chip manufacturing company is coming to North Phoenix. Everybody's talking about a great opportunity for our church. You know, God's bringing Taiwanese and Chinese businessmen uh, and women and their families to this area. What a ministry opportunity, but guess what? Someone needs to lead. You can't just rely on the pastors or the staff. Someone needs to be empowered and enlightened by the Holy Spirit to lead. Otherwise, all we do is talk about it, and nothing happens. We need people to lead ministry groups and to lead small groups. We need uh, people to lead ministry, uh, outreach groups to different people. So we need leaders. Judges 15, 14, talking about Samson, you know, the mighty man of God. As he approached Lehi, the Philistines came toward him, shouting, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. The ropes of his arms became charred flax, and the bindings dropped from his hands. So Samson is bound, he's captured, but it's, he just, he's just amusing them and humoring them because he can break them. But when the Philistines come to, uh, to mock him and insult him, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. He gets this mighty power, and he just breaks the robes like they are nothing. And why? Because when God wanted to punish the Philistines, the Spirit of the Lord would come on, the, on Samson in power and he would just wail on them. He would demonstrate the power of God. So we see that the Spirit of the Lord comes on us to lead us to lead. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon us in power. And we're talking with Samson, it is physical power. Now we need people, it just tells me that we need people who will fight for God, who will fight in the name of God. Now I'm not telling you to, not a fist fight, okay? Though I have seen those in churches. Not a screaming match or something like that, but to fight for the souls of men and women and children, not to just give them up so easy to Satan. We need to fight with God's love and God's word in our total being. Maybe that means you throw someone on your shoulder physically or put your arm around them and lift them up spiritually, but you carry them. 
You let them cry on your shoulder. You pray with them. You call them every day. You talk to them every day. You walk with them through their dark valley. You share the Holy Spirit's wisdom with them. You fight for them and you carry them. See, when we are strengthened and spiritually energized with the power of God, we allow the Holy Spirit to fill our innermost being and personality. When the Holy Spirit fills us and we know what we're supposed to do and we see who we're supposed to do it with, we can lead, we can lift people up. So I ask you, this is the Spirit of the Lord upon you. Is it moving in your head? Is you experiencing it in your heart? So I believe that the, we go to our next thought. The Spirit of the Lord is revealed in three ways in this passage in Isaiah. Jesus' ministry had a tremendous impact on the people. Why? Because he ministered to them in three ways, and God calls us to minister to the people in the same three ways. So the first thing we see is you preach the gospel. You preach it, you teach it, you share it, uh, you speak it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. When Jesus talked about the poor, he wasn't necessarily talking about those who were materially poor, but those who were poor in spirit, those who were tired, their lives were hopeless, their souls were drained. They were down and depressed because they had no hope. Guess what? They need good news. People need good news. In the New Testament, it says that slaves, you know, if you were a slave, you were nothing. You had no future. You had no hope. But when they heard the words of Jesus, they were set free inside, spiritually. They knew that someone loved them. Someone was giving them hope, hope uh, to live. And they were willing to live for Jesus, even though they were still slaves. We need to preach the truth of the gospel. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Stephen, one of the first deacons, when he was debating with the religious leaders. Now, it doesn't say that literally in text, but you know that is what happened. Because when we go to Acts 6.15, the Sanhedrin was debating with Stephen. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the, angel, the face of an angel. When the high priest asked, Are these charges true? To this he replied, Brothers and fathers, listen to me. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him. His face was like a face of an angel, just like Moses when Moses was, had the Spirit of the Lord on him. I remember one day in college when I was working on a Saturday at my dad's grocery store, it's like the Spirit of the Lord came upon me. And I received the most powerful conviction that today I would share the gospel with my father. You know? And that's not easy, sharing the gospel with your parents. And I had never felt anything like before. I'm like, okay, well, I'll pray for my dad. You know, I'll, I'll think about it. I'll pray for my dad. Or I'll get Brother Stanley to go visit him. But I felt this powerful conviction. And so that night, I asked Dad, can I share the four laws with you? Four spiritual laws book with you? Well, yeah, sure. Let me get my glasses. You know, he gets his glasses, and I'm about ready to pass out. And I just read it to him, and at the end, it says, do you want to be a Christian? And I said, Dad, you, I just read it. Do you want to be a Christian? He goes, yes, I do. I'm like, really? Really? And so he accepted the Lord. And I'm like, man, what, what happened here? Because the goal of the Spirit of the Lord is not my success, but obedience to the will of God. And what's really amazing, and on Monday, my dad goes into, you know, he goes to the store, and we have a butcher who was a deacon of North Phoenix, China, North Phoenix Chinese Baptist Church. North Phoenix Baptist Church. And the deacon comes running in. He finds me in the back. He goes, what happened to your dad? I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, 
your dad came up to me and said he became a Christian. He's going to be the best Christian he can be. I'm like, wow, that's just, you know, that's just powerful. And I could tell it was the Lord's timing, right? The Lord needs a specific person to do a specific task to a targeted person. Now, it doesn't mean just because the Spirit of the Lord is upon you and you obey and you do what is assigned to you, it doesn't mean there are instant results. It doesn't mean everything's rosy or changes. Understand that. The goal is to do the Lord's will because we are puzzle pieces. God is putting puzzle pieces in his total plan for the world into place. I mean, after all, the Spirit of the Lord was on Jesus. But what happened to Jesus? He was hung on a cross. The Spirit of the Lord was on Stephen as he debated the Sanhedrin, and then they stoned him with rocks. Now, I'm not telling you that's going to happen. You know, we just need to be obedient. So you think about Jesus. He died on that cross for sins because that was God's plan. And Stephen, he died at the hands of these uh, wicked people, but one of those people watching him was who? Saul, who had become the Apostle Paul. In fact, I imagine that when Jesus confronted Saul on the road to Damascus, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I imagine Paul was thinking, heard all the words that Stephen said to him, maybe six months earlier, ringing in his ears, realizing Stephen was right, he was wrong. We need to be obedient to do our part in God's plan. We need to be the next puzzle piece. And even though we don't know what that puzzle is going to look like in the end, we have to be obedient. You preach the gospel. The second thing is you heal the brokenhearted. Jesus healed hearts. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has sent me to bind up broken hearts. You know, when your heart is broken, you ever see someone with a broken heart? It hurts. And they, their hearts break for so many different reasons. Loss, we break up with a boyfriend or girlfriend, loneliness, fear. The world is hurting. The world is broken. They need healing for their broken hearts, and God wants you to bring them the words of Christ, the hope of Christ, the healing of Christ. You know, a lot of people are brokenhearted because they don't know if anybody loves them, if anybody cares about them. They said, uh, I, read a I watched a story on TV recently about Instagram and Facebook, how it's destroying our children. It's breaking their hearts. It's ca causing suicides. Why? Because one person may be lonely and they look on Instagram and see all these people having fun and friends and they have all these, you know, likes and stuff and it just hurts them so badly. I mean, it's, it's amazing. We need to bring the words of Christ that they, uh, this person is loved. When I counsel people, when they tell me their pain and problems, one of the first things I reassure them is that, uh, what I, what I, one of the first things I reassure them of is that God loves you. Okay, no matter what's going on, God loves you. And those people you think hate you, they love you. John 14, 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. The word troubled can be translated agitated or stressed out. You know, agitated or stressed out. So Jesus says, listen, you stressed out people, you with broken hearts, I am coming back for you. Don't be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You belong to me. I love you. I died for you. I rose from the dead for you. You are my family. You will spend eternity with me. Is the Spirit of the Lord upon you? 
Do you see people who are brokenhearted? You know they're brokenhearted today. You see them at school and at work. I'll tell you, you want to share the gospel, you go minister to a brokenhearted person. Okay, they are ready to trust in Jesus. If people are brokenhearted, afraid, they need Jesus, and they are ready for Jesus. So don't be afraid to love them. Thirdly, you set people free. The Spirit of the Lord, is, the Sovereign Lord, is on me to proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. We set people free. Have you been bound by addiction, physical addiction, uh, drugs, alcohol, uh, sexual addiction? Maybe you're addicted, you have a negative thinking or toxic feelings you cannot let go of. Sometimes I minister to people and they just can't stop crying. That's kind of an addiction. It's like a, when I'm not happy, I fall back into tears. Or maybe it's a negative attitude. You know, they're always bitter, bitter, bitter. Those are addictions. We need to set people free. Maybe you're suffocating and overwhelmed by your addiction, by your depression. You can't break free. And then Satan comes along and makes it worse, manipulating your feelings and emotions to make you feel even sadder or angrier or mad or jealous. Satan does that to control us. We are kept in a prison of lies and ignorance. Satan lies to us. We lie to ourselves. We're ignorant of what Jesus promises. Guess what? Jesus came to set you free. Galatians 5.1. For it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Why do we put that yoke on ourselves? Why do we go back into that prison and close the door. You know, the clothes, the doors to your prison, whether it's an addiction, physical, emotional, or mental, they are not locked. You can choose to open the door and walk out anytime. But your fears, your feelings, and your ignorance keep you inside. When we preach the truth to the people and they realize they don't have to live this way, they can step out of that cage. They can step out of that prison, but they need the truth of God's word. The light comes on. An understanding comes to them. They are set free. I was, uh, it seems like before I retire, I've been doing a lot of counseling lately. I'm not sure why, but it's okay. I like to counsel people because I like to help them. But I was talking with a lady recently, and she said she was filled with guilt. Okay, she is filled with guilt. And we all know the answer. 1 John 1, 9. I said, get your Bible out, turn to 1 John 1, 9. What does it say? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and done. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I said, do you believe that? He goes, yes. Okay, then confess your sins. God will forgive you. She goes, I did, I did, but why is God making me feel so guilty? So I said, okay. Where in that verse does it say, God will forgive your sins and then just make you feel guilty? He goes, it doesn't. I said, well, then why are you believing it? Who's lying to you about that? Is it Satan lying to you that you have to feel guilty? Are you trying to make yourself feel guilty for whatever reason? You don't have to feel guilty. It is not in God's word. Then she's like, oh. <laughs> I mean, like the light came on. I said, you don't have to live this way. Why do you make yourself live this way? And, and it was a blessing for me because she got it. I mean, she really understood it. And she, she's starting to st take steps to get stronger with the Lord. She was letting Satan lie to her, but now she knew the truth, and the truth has set her free. And we need to rely on our faith and not feelings. But I also tell people, good, you understand, but guess what? Those feelings are going to come crawling back on you. 
You just rebuke them and, and confess your sins and trust in God's promises. See, as believers, we should be running around setting people free. What a, what a ministry. We should be healing broken hearts. We should let the Spirit of the Lord come upon us and let it energize and enlighten and empower us. So the question is, why are not more believers experiencing God's power and purpose? Why is it like the Spirit of the Lord is on some, but not so many others? Well, the answer is there is a precondition, and it's this one. Three, decide to say yes beforehand. If you want to be used by God, you say yes, yes today, not wait until God calls you. Before the Spirit of the Lord can come upon you in a powerful way, you must already be willing to say yes to whatever God wants you to do. God, whatever you want me to do, I am ready to do it. The answer is yes. The problem is we want to see what God wants us to do first, and then we'll decide whether we will obey it. Okay, God's not going to, the Spirit's not going to come upon you. God's not going to ask you, okay? It's as simple as that. You must say today, I am ready to go, God. God, whatever you want me to do, whatever you decided beforehand, the answer is yes. When you limit yourself, you limit God, right? You limit yourself. Well, God, I, I'll hang out with these people and be join their small group, but these other small group of people I don't really like or they're lower income, lower class, lower education, whatever, I don't want to hang out with them, but guess what? You limit yourself, you limit God. When you hold yourself back, you hold God back from using you. That means if you are willing to say yes ahead of time, you're praying that God will use you in a mighty way. Yes, God. You're praying that God will make you a conduit of the Holy Spirit's power, a conduit of God's love. You say, God, I am ready, willing, and able to serve you. When you come upon me, when you come at that time, uh, a specific time to do a specific task to a specific person, I will say yes. And when we say Yes, beforehand, we receive two things when the Spirit comes upon us. One, we get the Spirit of counsel. We get the Spirit of counsel. John 14, 25, All this I have spoken while still with you, but the counsel of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. When I meet with a person to counsel, I don't know what to say. I don't know what they're going to ask. And when I first started doing some counseling sessions, I didn't know what to do at all. But the Holy Spirit will teach me and remind me. See, if I, if I am obedient and faithful and I go to speak with that person, when I go to that opportunity, I know I'll receive wisdom. I've done it enough times that I receive wisdom. The Holy Spirit will tell me what to say. I just need to be patient. I need to listen to that person tell me their problems first. They tell me their problems once they start telling me, the Holy Spirit says, well, here's, use this verse, or use this promise, or teach them this wisdom point. Uh, so I listen first. I go, I listen, I trust in the Holy Spirit, I go. See, there's two key phrases here, and I want you to circle them on your paper. Teach you, remind you. Teach you, remind you. The Holy, has the Holy Spirit taught you anything, right? If you're not in the Word, if you're not studying God's Word, you're not paying attention to sermons or your small groups, you're not learning God's word, we need to be taught. You, God, Holy Spirit will teach you, and then he will remind you when that opportunity comes of what he has taught you. Not only that, 
You have practiced, you have experienced God's word in your life. You know how to forgive. You know how to love. You know how it was when you felt guilty about something, to be tempted, to be scared. You let the Holy Spirit teach you, and you can teach other people. So the Holy Spirit will teach you and then remind you when you're in the moment. Okay, when you're in the moment, you're talking to people. Now understand this. You don't need a lot of knowledge. You have so much experience. You don't need a ton of biblical knowledge. I mean, when I talked with this one person, John 3.16, 1 John 1.9, uh, James 4.7. Those are the only three scriptures I use, okay? I'm not going to quote them to you, but you know them. You know, John 3.16, 1 John 1.9, James 4.7. I had them write it down. That's all I used to counsel that person until the light came out. You don't need much, but you have to have been taught, and you have to let the Holy Spirit remind you. We receive the spirit of counsel. Don't worry about, I don't know what to say. Okay, don't worry about it. If you're faithful, you've, had, you've been taught by the Holy Spirit, He will remind you what to say. Then the second thing is the spirit of courage. The spirit of courage. First Corinthians 16, 13. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. Do everything in love. What a verse, you know. Stand. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. Do everything in love. You're ready, willing, and able, but you're also faithful. You know, where does courage come from? Does God give us courage? I think courage comes from within. It's an act of our will. We need to be obedient. Courage is found in our obedience. It comes from within you when you trust and obey God. But when you do obey, love is the power source. Okay, love compels me to do things I won't normally do. See, boldness brings you into the presence of God. You want to be bold and powerful? Boldness brings you into the presence of God. When you take a step of faith, love will empower your courage. Courage and power are grounded in love. There is a power to the surrendered and yielded life. Yes, God, I yield my life to you. It doesn't mean you're not scared. It doesn't mean you're unsure, but the Spirit, He comes inside us. He enables us. He empowers us. He enlightens us to do and obey God's will. We just need to take that first step and be faithful and obedient. Then we need to start listening to the person. Then the fear fades and my faith grows stronger. So the Holy Spirit gives us a spirit of counsel, the spirit of courage. It's amazing when those two things uh, go to work in your being. So here's the real goal. Why are we doing all this? It's turning sadness into joy. Isn't that the real goal? Isn't that what God wants you to do? I'm writing a sermon about joy, and I did a word search about joy, and joy, joy, joyful, and rejo rejoices repeated like 300 times in the Bible. Gosh, I think God wants us to be joyful, right? Turning sadness into joy. It's not just about converting people into Christianity. In fact, I hate that word. I don't know about you, but I hate that word. It's like we just redo them and, and get them to stand in a different line. It is turning sadness into joy. It is a transformation. It's turning a broken heart into a big heart full of love. It's setting people free to enjoy the life that God has planned for them. It is turning hurts into happiness and hope. Doesn't that sound like a wonderful ministry? When people come to their senses and embrace God's truth, 
the light comes on. It gives them great joy to see that there is a way out of their problems. There is a way through that dark valleys. They realize they don't have to live this way anymore. They walk out those prison doors into the sunshine. It fills them with joy. And then it fills me with joy because I get to be there with them. I get to witness this, the power of God. So Isaiah 61.2, the rest of the passage. Jesus came to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and the garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. We get joy, we bring joy, we give God great joy. Being oaks of righteousness, big, strong trees, plantings of the Lord displaying the splendor of the Lord. See, Jesus came to those who mourned and grieved to bring them comfort, to give them peace, and to provide for them. And so look at these three phrases. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. You know, they put ashes on their head, throw it on their head, on their forehead and their head when they're mourning. When someone died, they throw ashes in their, their hair. and It's a sign of mourning, of grieving. And God's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to wipe all that off and put a beautiful crown on your head. A crown of beauty. A crown that says, you belong to me. You are special. You know, I didn't think much about crowns until I watched my granddaughters running around with those little crowns. or What do you call them? Tiaras? They love it when they put it on, they feel so beautiful. They think they're special. God says, I want to make you special. In fact, one of my granddaughters had a princess party. And so all their little friends come over in their princess dresses wearing their tiaras. And funny me, I just have to say something. They come in, they're cute little girls, and wow, what beautiful little princes. Do you want me to be Prince Charming? <laughs> they laughed at me. They laughed at me. Can you believe that? The crown of beauty makes you feel special. Instead of mourning, it says, the oil of gladness instead of mourning. And what they're talking about here is they put light oil. It's like lotion, you know, on their body, on their face. The light olive oil to their face and hair would smooth their skin. It would brighten their spirits. They would feel good and, and look good because they look like they were alive and alert. And instead of the, the garment of praise, instead of the spirit of despair, when people were in despair in mourning, they put burlap clothes on them, sackcloth. And I don't know if any of you know what a burlap bag is anymore, but it's itchy. They would put it on them to grieve and mourn and increase their mourning. But instead, uh, a garment of praise, a beautiful garment that's not itchy, that is comfortable. God's saying, I want to turn your sadness into joy. When people trust in Jesus Christ in their Lord and Savior, they find healing and freedom in them. They can stand righteous before the Lord like an oak tree. They can be strong and full of the Lord's splendor. Isn't that a wonderful ministry? Isn't that what our lives are supposed to be about? Now, <clears throat> I must admit, it's a little difficult these days because in the United States, we're just full of resources. We have very little need and very little want. But I know most people are suffering from loneliness and lostness. So I ask you this question. Is the Spirit of the Lord on you? Do you expect God to do something wonderful through you? Do you expect God to use you to touch a specific person or maybe a ministry? 
If not, then I guarantee you that nothing will happen. Nothing will happen if you don't want to be used by God. Instead of limiting God, instead of holding God back, let go and let God use you completely. Say yes. This week I challenge you to have a talk with God. Are you willing to say yes now for what God will call you to do uh, tomorrow or the next day? You say, yes, Lord, I'm ready, I'm willing, I am able. When you move me in a certain direction, you point me towards somebody, or maybe it's a ministry group, maybe you need time to start a small group or something like that, or maybe working on that committee to work on that Taiwanese plant, you say, I'm ready to go, Lord. I'm ready, willing, and able. Maybe you're here today, and you don't know where life is leading you. Maybe you have a broken heart. Maybe you're locked in a prison of addiction and negative attitudes. It's time to say, yes, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord Jesus, I want to be free. I want healing. It's time to trust in Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. You have to be willing to say yes. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you for this time that we can talk about your purpose for our lives and how you want the Spirit, your Spirit, to come upon us. And we know the Spirit is in us, Lord, but sometimes we don't let the Spirit use us 100%. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters whom love, who I know they love you, they want to serve you, but they're unsure, they're uncertain, but they need to be ready to say yes now for what you might call them to do tomorrow. And when they say yes, and when they go obediently, you will give them the spirit of counsel and the spirit of courage. They will preach and heal. They will set people free. Father, we pray that we can, each of us, bring, turn sadness into joy. What a wonderful ministry to turn sadness into joy. And not just joy, but the assurance and hope of eternal life in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, there's someone here who needs to be up free. I pray that you touch their hearts, that they will trust in you and believe in you. We worship and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if you have a, you know the Lord's been talking to you and he wants you to move in a certain direction, but you're unsure. Hey, we're here. The pastors, the the brothers and sisters in Christ at Northwest are here to help you obey the Lord, fulfill all that needs to be done. So let's stand as we sing our invitation song. If you were encouraged by today's message, be sure to follow us on Spotify and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you stream your podcast. To listen to the other sermons and watch our live gatherings, visit us online at nwcbc.org. We look forward to see the difference God will make in your life. Thank you for listening to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church Podcast.